Hello and welcome. Today, I have the pleasure of talking to you about something that we all care about, happiness and the meaning of life. Truthfully, when we look past the surface of all the desires we may have, I want this, I want that, ultimately, what we're looking for is to be happy. What we're looking for is to be aligned with why we're here. So those two things really drive us all. And today, my presentation is part of the contribution of a Rotary E-Club of World Peace. So since we have the same deeper core issues of love, connection, and living our life purpose, we have all these outside things that we really need to understand so we can get back to the truth of who we are and how and why we're here. So I thought the best way to do that was to interview some people who live happy lives of accomplishment and they align with the life purpose. The first person I interviewed on this was Arun Gandhi. Arun Gandhi is the grandson of Mahatma Gandhi, but he wasn't always a happy, peaceful guy. He grew up in South Africa where he was harassed, bullied and beaten up for being dark. And he was also similarly harassed, beaten up and bullied for being not black enough. He was filled with rage and he was a very angry young boy, young man. His family sh shipped him off to live with his grandfather, who of course taught him about love, sharing, compassion, surface. Now he is now a global humanitarian and also as he calls himself a peace farmer. Everywhere he goes, he creates the growth and flourishing of peace. So I'm, I'm sure you are as excited as I am to learn from him, his way to happiness and meaning of life. The next person I interviewed was a very different person. And as I said, everybody's very diverse and their ultra um, reasons for doing the life they do. But ultimately, we all want the same thing. So I, I interviewed Haypin Im. Haypin went to UC Berkeley, graduated, and started her career in Ernst & Young being a senior auditor. And then she became a venture capitalist, but something was still off. She still felt, felt lost, unhappy, and she didn't understand why. She had to stop all that and change her whole life. She went to ministerial school and completely changed her life and started a nonprofit called FACE, F-A-C-E, and the acronyms she'll explain later. So as you can tell, each person comes to their life purpose and happiness from very different places. So instead of my talking more, I'll show you excerpts of their, these interviews in my series called Happiness and the Meaning of Life. In this series, I ask every guest I have the same five questions, the same questions that we all have for ourselves. So the questions are, the first one is, what is happiness to you personally? The second one is, what is the one thing that makes you happy? The third one is, what is, how is happiness related to your meaning for life? And then what would you like to be remembered for? And then the last one is, what advice would you give to someone who wants to be happier? So I'm gonna pause talking. I'm gonna show you some excerpts of the first question from all these uh, people who answered. And then from there, I'm going to bring you back. We're going to connect a little bit about what, what they have shared. 
And then we're going to go and repeat this as we go forward, having uh, questions, some answers, and come back. We'll have a little sharing. So right now, I'm going to share my screen of the video excerpts on the first question. What does happiness mean to you personally? I find happiness in serving the poor and the destitute. And when I see a smile on their face and when I see them, um, you know, wipe their tears off, that gives me a tremendous amount of joy and happiness uh, of achieving something. I think part of happiness is finding your place in the world where the intersection of your passion and your gifting and your calling all comes together. Happiness to me is about alignment. It's about aligning your inner and outer life um, so that they're in harmony. You know, to be able to do all the things that I would love to be able to do to, to make impact in this, uh, in this lifetime. But as I think about it in a more broader, holistic way, um, you know, happiness to me is, is for anybody and everybody to be able to achieve their full potential because that's when we really are going to be doing our, our best work. Happiness to me ultimately is saying yes to what I want to say yes to and no to what I want to say no to, mm -hmm. right? It's no, I'm not going to participate in that conversation. It doesn't align with my values. Mm -hmm. and, and it is doing that in a place of peace, in a, in a place of not, not feeling like I have to try to convince someone who is committed to misunderstanding me in the first place, <laughs> right? But what I know is that happiness and joy is contagious. I mean, hatred is contagious, and I know that happiness is contagious too. And um, a dear friend of mine, uh, may he rest in peace now, Zig Ziglar, um, often said that, you know, basically success isn't for the chosen few, it's for the few who choose it. And I, and in many ways, I think the same is true for happiness. It's not for the chosen few. It's for those who decide to choose it, right? As you heard from these happy people, accomplished happy people, happiness is a choice. It's something we choose. And so it was interesting because a lot of times in our lives, we might think that we're in a situation we can't change, but we can, in that place, choose happiness because I'll share with you some of the other people I've interviewed and what they say about this subject, and then we'll come back to the next question. The third person I interviewed was Linda Agatokawa. And Linda um, was in between jobs, and she volunteered at a place called LEAP, um, which is Leadership for Asian Pacifics. And she, joined, she volunteered there because she felt like they had um, – the mission and philosophy she believed in, which is to help Asian Pacific American stand up for themselves, be proud of themselves, and learn how to become the total contributor in their in their talents into uh, the society as whole. Because a lot of times when we have something that people regard as different on the outside, whether it's a surface issue, uh, color, orientation, physical um, or, or mental differences, we get judged. And so she felt like this is a good way to start. Well, she found that she loved it there. And now 20 something years later, she is CEO of LEAP. 
and she's a very happy person. She never got another job because she just stayed there. Now, what we have to understand now is that she is going to share with us what makes her happy. And not just her sharing is going to make a difference. Is We can understand now from her sharing about what makes her happy, insights into our own reasons for happiness. So I'm going to go show the next clip. What would be one thing that makes you happy? Doing the work that I do, I, I, I just want to give you this quick example. I got a letter this morning from someone that took part in one of our programs, gosh, probably a good 20, 25 years ago. And she said that she wrote in this letter to me, what a difference I made for her. But also she feels like um, through it, a difference that, that she feels I, you know, that, that I and leap, especially leap, you know, made a difference for, for the company. I got a similar email about three weeks ago from someone who said something similar to where he thought that he was just destined to just, you know, kind of be, as he says, an individual contributor. And he thought he was okay with it. He said that after taking part in one of our programs, he realized that he had more to give, more to do, more to, uh, more to aspire to. And he just shared that he just took a, a, a role. He climbed up within his organization, but more importantly, he just joined another organization now as a, as a C-suite officer. And, mm. you know, it's not about that you get the big title, but the fact for me is that's what makes me happy that people can feel like they've now been able to do more with their life as a result of, of something that I've been a part of. Connecting with a person, connecting with an individual. I love that. You know, so connecting and feeling that I'm that I am connected and that I'm adding something of value to that person. And that person is adding something of value to me. That together we're more than we can be apart. That's mm-hmm. that's that's happiness for me. So connection, all of us crave connection. And it's so natural because when you think about it, our lives are completely interwoven and interdependent. We can't get food, we can't get water, we can't get electricity or transport or anything if we didn't have our community to support us. And when we think about it that way, we realize, I hope we realize that ultimately we're here to share, we're here to give, we're here to collaborate. And when we do that, the whole world changes because ultimately human beings are social animals. When we realize that when we give, we get as much back. So it's natural to do that. And the next person I interviewed is somebody that really had to live and find out about that himself, Howard Schiffer. Howard started life in his career and in what would seem like a very natural giving position. He um, was a midwife. And then he went into the uh, natural products industry where he did several jobs. But his whole life shifted when he was asked a question one day. And that was, what would you like your epithet to say? And he thought, he said, hmm, I don't think it's, he sold a lot of product, which is what he was doing then. And he started change his whole life for the next five years, he worked his day job and he started at home in his house, in his bedroom, 
Vitamin Angels. For five years, he worked at Vitamin Angels while he had a day job and remortgaged his, his house to make it possible. And now, 25 more years later, he is founder and, and president of Vitamin Angels, a nonprofit that supports needy children and mothers all over the world. Over 65 countries, including United States where he lives, and over 70 million children and mothers a year. So when I asked him the question, how is happiness related to your meaning of life? You can bet his answers are very insightful. So I'm gonna share with you now what his answers are and also the answers from some of our other guests about what is happiness and how is that related to your meaning of life? How does that relate to your meaning of life and, and how, how do the two mesh? Well, you, the, the quote that I like is uh, from Mark Twain. You know, he said, the, the two most important days in your life are the day you were born and the day you figure out why. And I think that that is the key to happiness is figuring out why you're here. I took a media class once with a uh, morning talk show person from LA named Joel Roberts. And he said, everyone's life is a laboratory to create one product. And I think if you don't find your why, you'll never know your way. And I think, I think for a human being to be happy, um, I think you've got to figure out why you're here, that we're all here for a very specific reason. And if you can find that, mm -hmm. you can be happy for the rest of your life. You know, life is hard. There's moments of joy, but it is guaranteed that there will come a lot of pain points. Mm -hmm. And I think for us as a human beings, we, our default is to run away. But what I have learned and seen is that actually, if you can figure out how to embrace your pain and transcend, that actually that could be the pathway to uh, finding your platform and purpose to help everyone else and in turn bless the world and be blessed. You know, when everyone, like I said, when everyone else can achieve their full potential, then that means that all of us as, as human beings, as citizens of this world, of as, as people of this country, it means that we're going to be able to, to really do more, to be more, um, and to, and again, going back to, you know, creating that impact and that change that I think, um, you know, continues to, to be something that we all need to be a, a fully engaged part of. And I do think that we are all here for a reason. I, I fundamentally believe that. And I also believe that we all have the capability to achieve great things. We may not have the abilities, but we have the capabilities. And um, I always believe that, you know, your dream kind of comes from within you. Your success comes from who's beside you because no one makes it alone right? Um, so finding out that why is a big question. And it's a question that sometimes the answers for, for, for some comes quite easily and they know very early. And for others of us, um, it takes a while. I was 40 years old when I uh, started eWomen Network. And, uh, and it was never in my 
um, in my vision prior to just a couple of years before starting it, I never thought about uh, creating an, a great network of entrepreneurial women who wanted to be in an environment where we b believed that there was enough for everyone and we needed to share our contacts, resources, um, and information and that reciprocity would create this incredible momentum and life of abundance. Mm -hmm. um, so for me, it came later in life, but I kept asking the question. So as Howard said, the most important day in your life is when you were born. And the second most important day is when you realize why you were born. I'd like to add something else. The third most important day is when you realize that you can follow the reason why you're born and do something about it. And that's when you become a much happier individual. Like Sandra said, it's not always easy and breezy if you say, okay, I know my life purpose, I'm going to go forward. She didn't figure it out until she was 40. So it's not like just because you know or you may not know why you're born that it's, it's, it's a hopeless case. It's just taking that one step and then the next step and the next step towards what you feel is your life purpose. And it's going to start unfolding for you in a natural way that you would never have imagined if you didn't start the process. But Sandra's life, and you see her now, she's an owner and a founder of a multi-million dollar global business, but her life didn't start out easy either. Her mother came from Mexico looking for a better life. And for a while she thought she found it. She was happily married, three young kids, and then her husband died. Sandra was five years old. The family won on welfare, and it was very difficult for them. But what Sandra remembered from those times was the love and also how grateful she was that other people gave and helped them. So her life was about how she can give back. And that's truthfully is what we all want. It's the way to understand and appreciate where we are now, whatever the circumstances, and how we can give back in return, because ultimately, the more we're grateful, the more we give, the more we get back. It is just a natural law. So now, 20-something years later, as I said, Sandra is doing so well. So I asked her the next question. I asked her, what would you like to be remembered for? And this is really something that we all want in some, in some ways that we may not think about. What how, what do we want to be remembered for? So I'm going to show the next clip. What would you really want to be remembered for? That I was faithful uh, in what I uh, tried to do and that I made a difference um, by my presence here on earth. I would, be I would like to be remembered for being a compassionate person, uh, willing to help anybody who uh, was in distress. I would like to think that, that I was, you know, some part of making a difference. I would like to be remembered most as being the woman that helped others achieve their dreams. Because mm -hmm. success is really hard, you know, but, you know, being broke is harder. But the hardest of all is having an unfulfilled dream. I think that now we have a greater need for, for connecting people than we ever have before. So if I can be a force for that. 
Isn't it interesting? They all say the same thing in their own way. How can I help? How can I serve? How can I leave a legacy that is better than what I came in for? How can I make an impact that is going to outlast my physical life? Because I have, I have helped somebody. I have created more peace. I have fed a child. I have grown trees. I have done something that is more lasting than the tiny time, whether it's 50 or 100 years in which we've lived. So all this is very thought-provoking and saying, somehow our happiness is related to how we connect, how we give, and of course, how we really receive. I think most of us are better in some ways at receiving or at least wanting the desire to want to receive. We may not actually know how to receive, but we all think we are here wanting. So we think we're wanting, but we may not be open to receiving, but we definitely sometimes not as ready to give, especially from the heart of where we are, which is the love that we actually have for humanity, for the world, for the planet, and for spirit, whatever it is that you call this interconnective entity that we live in. So the next question I ask, which is really interesting, is about the advice that all these guests would give to someone who wants to be happier. But before I go there, I want to remind us of something else. A lot of times we may think that we're in a situation where we have no choice, where we are miserable because we don't like our job or we don't have a job or our personal situation is, is, is in bad shape or we have physical health issues. But what Viktor Frankl, who is the founder of Logotherapy, he was a Holocaust survivor. He was in one of the death camps. His whole family died in the Holocaust. He managed to survive and came to the United States and start a new life. And in this thing, place, he developed logotherapy. And what he, I want to quote something he said. He said, everything can be taken away from a man. And I would say human, but one thing, the last of the human freedoms to choose one's attitude in any circumstances, to choose one way. And that's something we have to remember. Ultimately, we always have a choice to, to think of how we are and what we are doing and how we can choose our environment. Just like the kids I had in summer camp who had such miserable, miserable lives because they had no family or they were orphans or they were in an abusive situation or in welfare, but they had a choice to change their lives. And we had them for a week, these at-risk kids. And by the end of the week, they all had more hope because they saw that maybe that we didn't change their life drastically in one week, but we gave them opportunity to see the world a little differently, that they could take one step at a time and start transforming their lives into something that is gonna give them a different future, a different today, starting this moment by looking at the world in a little different way. So 
I want the next person I shared, I interviewed was uh, with a man who actually chose his way. And it's an interesting way because both sides would judge this person. And I say both sides because our world is usually polarized into left and right or right and wrong. It's never about, okay, you have a different point of view. How can I get to understand your point of view? It's first, it's like, you're wrong. Listen to me. I can tell you what's right. That, unfortunately, is the way we are very much coached, even in school, because there's a right answer and there's a wrong answer. And if you get a wrong answer, you get a lower grade. If you get a right answer, it's because you said what they taught you. So we have been trained for so much of our lives to be judging. So for us to come into the world and start not judging is hard because it goes against everything we've been taught that we're supposed to say, this is right, this is wrong. You're right or I'm right, but it's never we're both right. Because if you have a different opinion than me, you have to be wrong because I know I'm right. So Bill Sharman has a different perspective. Bill is an environmental activist He's a social progressive. He's also a lifelong Republican, which of course raised all kinds of flags for a lot of people on this call already. And I really deliberately sought him out and I said, Bill, can you share with me why you do what you do? Because he has a very positive track record of doing things that really make a difference. He reached out to companies like Coca-Cola, Warehouser, General Motors, Mitsubishi, and he collaborated them with organizations that most of people on this call, on this broadcast understand. People like Greenpeace, people like Sierra Club, people like Worldwide Wildlife Fund, organizations we believe in. He brought these two divergent groups together and collaborated and created a common good for everyone. So it was interesting for me to talk to Bill and listen to his perspective and ask for him also, what advice would you give someone who wants to be happier? And I can even say right away, it probably has something to do with not judging because once we start judging, we're already in a place of distancing. And as we know, we all need connection. So once we start making a distance between us and them, we already have the separation. And in separation, we have judgment, we have unhappiness. But how do we incorporate divergent points of views in our life? That ultimately is the magic in, in, in understanding that we collectively can make a difference. So I'm going to show you some clips from the next excerpt. And when we're done with this excerpt, stay because I'm going to give you more tips and some action steps that you can take to make your life happier. So next clip, stay, and we will, after the clip, we'll come back and I'll give you some tips and some action steps and ways for you to make your life happier. What advice would you give to someone who wants to be happier? I think it's important that we do, you know, find that time. It could be whether you're driving in the car uh, whether, uh, you know, maybe you just take that, that 30 minutes, 20 minutes, even to, you know, when you, when you wake up in the morning, you know, have your cup of coffee or at night before you go to bed, you know, just really think about, 
you know, what's important to you and what's going to help you be the best that you can and, and make you, um, get you to a place where you feel like you can be happy and that in being happy, you know, you're also making a difference for other people as well too. Authenticity, you know, self-discovery, uh, inquiry. Everybody has these gifts, this uniqueness about us. And I, and my belief is for, for anyone who's looking to be happy, to, to keep finding your core, yourself, keep looking for yourself and, and then express it in what you do, wherever you are, express your authentic self. Well, let me just say that I'm not happy every minute of every day. So I just want to say, <laughs> but what I know is where I want to be. And so that helps me when I'm not in a, in a good place or a happy place, say, you know this, that you don't like this space. So what are you going to take responsibility to do in order to make the shift you need to make? Right. And so um, what I would say is that to someone is a you have every right to be happy. Mm -hmm. You deserve to be happy. You have the power to be happy. And if you don't know how to leverage those things, it's OK. No one makes it alone. But don't sit in the unknowing. Uh, and, you know, Gandhi's philosophy had the, the component of constructive action and trusteeship. Now, what he meant by trusteeship is that each one of us has a talent, a talent that we have acquired through education or inheritance or whatever, but a talent that we think we own and therefore, we use that talent for our own personal gain to achieve whatever our ambition may be. Grandfather said we don't own the talent. We are trustees of the talent. And as trustees of the talent, we should be willing to use the talent for other people as much as we use for ourselves, which means sharing and giving. I, I would first have people trust that you really are here for a reason and that your your self was uh, is you know was created to do one thing really special and to just commit to that just keep I mean it took me about five years between when I figured out I needed to do something different mm -hmm. and I was able to found vitamin angels but it was almost like I raised my hand and once I raised my hand it was like okay you know you're recruited. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, ultimately, I would say it has to be about service. Mm -hmm. I think that, that that's why we're here. I think we're here to help each other. Mm -hmm. And um, I think that's the only thing that really makes sense of this world. And every time there's a, uh, you know, an event, like a tragedy around shooting or something, mm -hmm. it's like, you know, where we retreat to is our connection with each other and letting, you know, checking in on people that we love. Are you okay? How are you doing? Why are you feeling? <clears throat> that to me is our, that's the, the purpose of why 
you know, otherwise it would be one person on the whole planet, but there's all these other people. So we're supposed to be learning. We have something to give to each other. And that's why we're here. We're here to kind of be in service to each other and to humanity. If your intention is to do good, there's a lot of good to be done in the world and you, you will find many entities. And I think that will be the key to happiness. So how does that feel? Did you have a lot of thoughts come to your mind? All these people who are living their lives the way that it was destined to be, you know, as they say, the reason why you're born, they're living the reason why they're born. With that, we have the opportunity to reflect on our own lives and say, why were we born? How do I connect? How do I give back? Because when you ask those questions, you also answer the deeper question, which is, how do I get to be happier? <laughs> because the happiness comes from aligning with your life purpose. And since I do this, I consult and speak on, on happiness. And so I have a lot of people come and ask me about happiness. How do I become happier? But what if I don't know my life purpose? And many people don't know their life purpose yet. And it doesn't matter how much you've achieved financially, uh, academically, uh, career-wise, because I consult with some Fortune 500 CEOs and they still don't know their life purpose. But what they have done is they have bought into what the world has told them is gonna make them happy. That is, if you get a big job, if you have two houses, three houses, four houses, several cars, you're on your third spouse, then you're happy. Those are things that our society is telling us. That's not what is inside true for us. You have to look back inside and wake up that voice that oftentimes in us has been stilled for a long time. Because so much of our lives, we've been told what makes us happy. Do this, you'll be rewarded. Do this, you're going to be um, promoted. Do this, you're going to wear this, date this person, do your hair this way, eat this, you know, take up this uh, activity. All this is telling us how we're supposed to be because society is preying on our desire to be happy. Some people come to this from a very good place, your parents, your teachers, your minister, your close loved ones. They see it from their perspective and they are projecting their desire to make you happy by giving them, giving you what they desire. And it might be true for you too, but it may not be true. So the first person you need to look to to find happiness is inside, which is really easy and super hard. Because first with the turn off, turn off all those voices we have been instilled with all our lives. And how do we do that? Because that's not easy either, because those voices have been ingrained and going on nonstop for years, decades, almost all your life. The best way to do that is if you go back into nature. 
Nature can be just a pot of plant in your room if you can't get out, but something way to connect into the quiet of something greater than our own lives. And that place of quiet, turn off all your devices, <laughs> including what we're doing now, but hopefully after we finish, but turn off all devices, turn off all the outside noise and say to yourself, Say to your inner child, which we all have, some of our inner child have been neglected for so long, we don't even know we have an inner child. But tell it to your inner child and say, I hear you, I see you. What do you have to tell me about what would make you happy? Because that inner child, that wisdom inside of you is what we're talking about, knowing why you're born. That ultimately is what we're talking about is listening and hearing. And so for some people that's very hard because we're so used to the outside that there has to be some concrete thing. Of course, some people say, okay, I can meditate and get it. But for some people, maybe even meditation is too alien on a concept. Then take a walk, do something physical that doesn't require conscious thought. And at that place, let the thoughts come up naturally. If you have to do something physical, whether it's take a slow walk, I don't mean a fast run because then you, you focus and all your energy on running, but on a quiet, gentle way of connecting back with yourself, knowing that. And in that place, let the voice come out. Let the voice come out, nurture it. Another really good way to doing this is journaling. Writing down. And I didn't know this is gonna sound very strange because most of us are so used to working on the computer is getting out that pen or pencil and a sheet of paper and write it out, write it out. Because somehow that physical connection to a piece of paper and a pen, yes, even for the young people who grew up only on devices, it has been proven um, in different studies that when we do that physical writing, we connect deeper into our, ourselves than we can otherwise. And in that place, you will find more of why you're here. And ultimately, that's what we want. And if you really can't, do what, there's another thing you can do, and that is to give thanks. What if you're feeling miserable and you can't think of anything to give thanks for? I've been in places like that when I didn't even want to get out of bed because I felt like I was hopeless. Why do I want to get up? Because there's another day that it's going to be a disaster. Then I made myself do something. I made myself give thanks for five things before I could get out of bed. And some days it was really hard because I couldn't think of anything good to say about my life. So I go into very, some very, very basic. Okay, I'm still alive. I'm breathing. Nothing hurts that bad. Um, it doesn't take me very long to get ready. Whatever it is that you need to do to find five things to give thanks for, it starts shifting your energy to something that you can start energizing your body and your life again. Another very simple trick, it sounds like a trick, but it really works and has been scientifically proven, smile. Okay. I know you don't feel like smiling, smile anyway. The very nature of smiling triggers endorphins in your body that actually trans starts transforming your feelings and your, your emotions to more positive. 
Yes, it has to be. If it has to be a fake smile, do it anyway. Try it right now. Doesn't it really feel a little bit better? Just a teeny little bit better when you just smile. So there's so many ways, and also say, okay, for whatever reason, I'm here for a reason. I know I can get out of it because you've probably seen the saying too. If you look at your record of making it through a miserable time, so far it's been 100% because you're still here. You didn't die all the other times you thought that you were going to die or you didn't crack and completely collapse. You're still here enough to listen, to talk, to have some semblance of a life. Give thanks for that. And know from there, you can start transforming. You can start transforming your life to the good by saying, for whatever reason, I'm here and I have a choice to move out of this spot. Wherever it is, I have an opportunity to make it better. And another really good way of making yourself feel better is to help somebody else who doesn't feel good. Let's just say you don't have any place to go for Thanksgiving. What if you went to a homeless shelter and start feeding the people there? What if you start packing meals in a place to give out? What if you want to go volunteer um, at, at um, a boys and girls club? What if you go volunteer and plant trees someplace? What if you go to um, a CSA and help them in the agricultural process? Go walk. Um, dogs at, at, a, at a shelter. There's so many things you can do that resonate or, or play music to people that you like or sing. There's so many things we can do to be happier. And in that place, when we realize that we can help others be happier, we become happier. So ultimately, happiness is an inside job. We've heard this before, but ultimately it's because it's choice. Choice to know, to recognize that we are all connected. And then when I do something good for any one person, I am better off and they are better off. And ultimately in that place, we have connection. Ultimately in that place, we have a way of creating the unity that this week is all about, World Unity Week. It should be World Unity all the time because truthfully, if it's not, we are losing out on what brought us out here. The ability to connect, the ability to share, the ability to really celebrate the wholeness of us as, as a, a species and as part of a greater whole of nature and of the planet that we all live in. And I thank you so much for joining us here today and happiness, peace, and may you live a purposeful life. Thank you so much.